Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska, and this is today's Bible class. A short Bible study, only about 13 or 14 minutes, but every day, seven days a week, keeping us in God's Word, keeping us focused, and thereby helping us to stay strong spiritually, helping us to grow in our faith, because faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17, and helping us to keep focused on our relationship with God and upon our spiritual lives. We always encourage you, share these studies with everybody you can in your life. Help somebody grow in their faith. Help somebody come closer to God. Maybe you'll even help somebody get to heaven. Great blessing for them and for you. So start sharing today. We're getting toward the end of our line of thought and study. The day the atheist sat next to the preacher on an airplane, a flight from London to Kenya. And the purpose of the atheist was that he was an anthropologist, teacher of anthropology, a a professor from the University of Kentucky, and he was an atheist. He believed in evolution. He believed that mankind came about just by accident, random chance, if even that could be called, you know, the, the origin from the evolutionist perspective. And, of course, the preacher believed that God is the creator, that God created us in his image with a soul, with a spiritual being within our physical bodies, unique from everything else that he created, and that God created everything on the day of creation within those six literal days that are recorded, that are reflected upon in Genesis chapter 1. God is the power. God is the power source behind the existence of everything that we see. The anthropologist, atheist, professor, well, he believed that somehow everything came into being by chance, in some way that he cannot explain, that he cannot experiment upon to try to reproduce. It's a theory. It's a, a, a mindset, something that he just believes from a what he thinks is an intellectual perspective, but really has no intellectual basis to it, to support it. As I said many times in teaching on creation versus evolution, evolution has no scientific basis. It is absolutely unscientific when you're talking about it from the perspective of that is how all life began, and somehow you connect it with some kind of imaginary event that caused the universe to come into existence from basically nothing. That's unscientific. In fact, that is anti-scientific. Well, the preacher, he reflected after their experience together sitting on that plane, for many hours, he thought about how the contrast in beliefs could be laid out in some specific ways. The atheist professor, he thought the world began with a big bang, and the preacher was confident that the world would end with a big bang when our Lord and Savior comes back for the final day of judgment And as the heavens pass away with a great noise, that will be the Big Bang. But that's in the future, not in the past. He 
thought about how the atheist professor was interested in the ages of rocks to try to somehow substantiate or support his belief that everything just came about in a gradual evolutionary process. And he said, I was interested in the rock of ages, of course, Jesus Christ. The evolutionist, the atheist professor, he saw men as just one step above apes. And the preacher, he saw men as one step, just one step beneath angels. The atheist, he saw God as the creation of man. Man just made up God as a crutch. And the preacher, of course, he understood that man was actually the creation of God. Well, the professor's focus was on missing links, and the, pre- and the preacher was trying to find lost souls. We both sat, he wrote, he, we both sat thinking that the other was wasting his money on this plane ticket. In the Christian's view, hunting for fossils of some half-ape, half-man in Africa was foolish. If he wanted to look for evidence of early man, he should have been on a flight to the Middle East anyway. For man began in the Tigris-Euphrates Valley, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 14, not in East Africa. Further, Adam was as fully human as the professor sitting in the seat beside me, Genesis 2 and verse 7, perhaps even more intelligent. He was capable of naming and remembering all the animals God had created. Now think about that, Genesis 2 and verse 19. And he was certainly healthier. He lived to be 930 years old, Genesis chapter 5 and verse 5. Now think about all of the medical science and other biologists and so on trying to figure out how to lengthen man's life to what? 120, 130, 150? You go back to how God created man originally? Adam, the first man, lived 930 years old. All of Kentucky's professors could search the whole African continent for a hundred years and still not find that elusive ML fossil. There can be no missing links, and that's what the ML fossil would be. The ultimate, where is it? There can be no missing links if there are no links between man and animals. G.K. Chesterton had it right when he said, the evolutionists seem to know everything about the missing link except the fact that (laughs) it is missing. There is no more reason to believe that man descended from an inferior animal than there is to believe that the governor's mansion grew by itself from a mobile home, a Lexus from a bicycle, or a Delta jet from a child's kite. Rabbi Akibah ben Joseph, around 40 to 135, said, a house testifies that there was a builder, a dress that there was a weaver, a door that there was a carpenter. So our world testifies by its existence that there was a creator. God. God. How can we overlook the simple characteristics of things around us 
recognizing that they're only there, as he pointed out, a house had to be a builder, a dress, there had to have been a weaver, a door, there was a carpenter, and somehow deny the fact that the incredible, in, intricate design of our world and the universe around us had to have a creator. Nikita Ivanovich Panin living, lived 1718 through 1783. Chief advisor to the Empress Catherine and great uh, Catherine the Great, he laid it out logically. He said, the world we inhabit must have had an origin. That origin must have consisted in a cause. That cause must have been intelligent. That intelligence must have been supreme, and that supreme, which always was and is supreme, we know by the name of God. Richard W. DeHaan tells a story that may be apocryphal, but it illustrates this point well. Sir Isaac Newton had a perfectly scaled-down replica of the then-known solar system built for his studies. A large golden ball a large golden ball represented the sun at the center. And the known planets revolved around it through a series of cogs, belts, and rods. It was an incredible machine. One day, while Newton was studying his model, an agnostic friend, and again, as I've said many times, agnosticism, skepticism, and atheism are essentially all the same. An agnostic friend stopped by for a visit. The man marveled at the machinery and asked, who made this exquisite thing? Without looking up, Newton replied, nobody. Nobody, his friend asked. That's right, said Newton. All of these balls and cogs and bolts and gears just happened to come together. And wonder of wonders, by chance they began revolving in their set orbits with perfect timing. The friend was unconvinced. And we are far less convinced that the reality represented by the model is a happy accident. <laughs> On the other hand, from an evolutionist perspective, man is not in need of the gospel. He is only a graduated ape on the tree of time. He has no soul. He will experience no afterlife. He should fear no hell and also no hope for heaven because the atheist says neither exist. He should live for today and enjoy whatever he can find to do. The rich man in one of Jesus' parables came to this conclusion. I will say to my soul, Soul, you have much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Luke 12 and verse 19. Jesus saw it differently, of course. That parable concludes with God saying, You fool, this night your soul shall be required of you. Then whose shall those things be which you have provided? Luke 12 and verse 20. Jesus believed in the soul and warned men not to ignore it. Matthew 10 and verse 28. He talked of life beyond the grave. 
Luke 16, verses 19 through 31. And he said more about hell than any other Bible preacher you'll find in the scriptures, Matthew 25 and verse 46. He paved the way for all to go to heaven, John 14 and verse 1. And he urged men to believe in him as the Son of God, John 3 and verse 16. And John 3 and verse 36, he urged men to repent of their sinfulness. In other words, to turn away from evil, wickedness, and get better, higher quality in your life. Luke 13 and verse 3, by confessing faith in him before others, Matthew 10 verses 32 and 33, as your Lord and Savior, and to be immersed, baptized for the forgiveness of sins, Mark 16, verses 15 and 16, and thereby to be made new spiritually, reborn, John 3, verses 3 through 5, and 2 Corinthians 5, and verse 17, and all of that to become better, to become purer, and to prepare for eternal life in heaven. We'll finish our study next time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you, Father, for creating us unique from everything else that you created with a soul, a spirit being within our physical bodies, and in that way, creating us in your likeness. Help us to live up to that blessed reality that we are different and that we are like you in that way. Please, Father, we pray, give us your guidance and wisdom, and please forgive us and hear our prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.